God is good. And all the time. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful this morning for your goodness and mercy that you have shown to us once again. Thank you, O oh God, for the gift of life today and the love that you put in our hearts that we walk to this place and have a fellowship of Father, one with another, but with you also. We ask, O oh God, that you cause us to be fertile ground, not to show any kind of resistance on our part, but to fully yield to your word. Because, O oh God, the entrance of your word brings the desired transformation in our lives. Therefore, Father, we commit everything, including this mouth of God that is speaking this morning, before you, that your oracles of God will be brought forth in this place. And that as we listen, let us find our place and allow he, the Holy Spirit, to bring changes into our lives. Then only can transformation take place in our lives. Father, we choose to glorify you, to magnify you, and to exemplify you. In Jesus' name, with thanksgiving in our hearts, we pray. Amen and amen. 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 I, I want to take this opportunity to thank Pastor and Mrs. Reuter for the opportunity they've given me that I may stand on this podium to say a few thoughts that have been impressed on my heart. It is my prayer that we'll journey together this morning and be able to hear that which God is saying to us. Today's message, as you could have seen on the bulletin, is entitled, Latent Disobedience. Obviously, we know what disobedience is, but we may not be aware of what latent is. Latent is something that you cannot see, but it is there. It is something that you may decide to ignore, but it is there. In my hand this morning, I have a gadget. This gadget is a capacitor. The job of this thing is to draw energy from electricity lines and store that energy in itself. This energy will be stored in this capacitor for more than 50 years. Even when you have put a capacitor aside, it is fully charged. We may not know 
the danger this capacitor causes. Why? The energy in this capacitor is latent. You can't see it. You can't experience it. Unless you touched the terminals, then you'll get a shock. It will remain charged for more than 50 years. That's how dangerous latent disobedience is to a human being. Because latent disobedience simply means you are disobedient, but you don't know it. And you don't see it. But it remains within the horizon. When the conditions are right, just like when you can touch this capacitor, you give it a route for this energy to escape, it may cause damage. Similarly, also latent disobedience will cause damage. Therefore, it is very important as children of God that we check ourselves on everyday basis to ensure that we conform to the word of God, we conform to the ideals of God, we conform to the desires of God. They're very, very important in life. Let's go to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, and tackle the issue of the disobedient Lord. To Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. The Bible reads, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. We are warned, such people, we must have nothing to do with them. When I'm saying disobedient Lord, and I'm, I'm not talking about Lot in the Bible. I know Lot in the Bible is disobedient. Choose the best portion of land instead of giving the uncle an opportunity to deliver this land. But he got it. I'm not talking of him. When I say disobedient Lot, I am getting the term Lot from the English dictionary. Lord, according to the English dictionary, is very large number or quantity. We normally say, give me the Lord. So it means, give me everything. 
So when I'm talking of Lot, I'm talking of all of us as children of God. We are Lot compared to Lot, not that as an individual, but in terms of quantity. So this message, which is coming from Paul to Timothy, is a message that is coming to all of us. And all of us in our own hearts, we must not desire to fight this message. Because there's a tendency most of the times, I inclusive, when I hear scripture, I don't want it to administer to me. I think the scripture is for someone else. But in this portion of scripture, there are no exemptions and no exceptions. All of us, we should find ourselves, we should critically ask ourselves, where am I falling short? Is my obedience sufficient? Or my obedience has got underlining things that I may not be able to see but they are there. Just like I said of this capacitor, that can kill a person. Accommodating disobedience on our part is a dangerous thing. As we journey through, we are going to see the dangers that disobedience brings to the body of Christ. Amen? Now, Paul writes to Timothy and says, but mark this, but mark this as he starts. Meaning, he's telling Timothy to pay particular attention to what he was writing to him. Just, I am standing here and also saying, please mark this. It is important. It affects all of us. Sometimes we see these things, but we do not have courage to speak about them. We don't have courage to bring forth advice. We just run along, moving in error. But God doesn't want us to move in error. Amen? So Paul writes, says, mark this, meaning he must take note. He must observe seriously, not just as a by the word, but take time to read it through and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding of what was meant when these words were brought to Timothy to share to other people. Amen. He was asking for serious consideration because Paul knew that when he was writing the word, he did not just write it for the sake of writing it. He had an impartation from God. And God, if you remember the story of Paul, Paul was made an apostle to the Gentiles, personally by Jesus Christ when he was on the road to Damascus, trying to do wrong things, 
Christ met him and said, Paul, in fact, that, that time he was called so, 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 why are you persecuting me? And then he outlined that would be given a mission indeed to go to the Gentiles. So when he was writing this, he really understood the importance of us paying particular attention to the things that were said. The terrible days Paul was talking of are already here. He spoke of terrible days, but you know that today's living is a difficult, it's a difficult time. The love of many has grown cold. And in fact, when you ask yourself as a believer and interrogate yourself to see what you could have done in the last two months where the Great Commission is concerned, which Jesus Christ himself left before he went. Teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And thereafter, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So meaning the nation is not going to be taught by anyone else but by us. Now, if we do not do anything, we don't seize an opportunity to share this particular word, then it becomes a problem. What is it that we are not doing? He's saying, difficult times will come, but they have come. Now, disobedience does twist the scripture. That's what disobedience does. In the word of God, we are encouraged that we should first know how to love ourselves before we can love another person. We must use ourselves as a standard. But when we are disobedient, the love just remains on us. It never goes out. When you say love yourself, then it becomes completely yourself. That too is disobedience. Amen? Me, myself, and I are not supposed to be there in the life of a child of God because we must consider other people better than ourselves. Paul is talking about a boastful person or a boastful people. Someone that is boastful is actually a person that is selfish. Because in being boastful, you are saying, no one else but me. If I am not there, everyone will not succeed in anything to do. And yet God has allowed variety of talents to come to his body to complement one another 
so that the bigger picture that God desires in life is attained. Amen? Abusive Christians are still in church today. We are still here. Sometimes we may not know that we are abusive, but it takes a few things. And then you look at the reactions with which we are going to react. It will speak volumes that we are abusive, that we do not consider anyone else being valuable in life. Now the danger is this. If an abusive person is a Christian, many other areas of his life and existence or coexistence are going to suffer. Not just at church, but you also be abusive at work. Even at home, you also be abusive. No boundaries. And even in the community, on the road, I'm sure all of us, from time to time, as we are on the roads driving, someone may cut through in front of us and we don't like it. What is our reaction? What words come to mind? What unpalatable things, if they were to open our heart and peep in there and see what are existing in there? Abuse. Abuse. Being abusive is not just abusing the wife or the husband or children, but everyone who comes in contact with you will feel it. Will feel it. That is being abusive. And an abusive person is also an indication of being a disobedient person. Paul also talks of a treacherous person. What kind of a person is this who is treacherous? This is a person who cannot be trusted. Why? You may agree to certain things today. 20 minutes later, you say, or they'll say a different thing from what you've agreed. And in fact, a treacherous person, every time they are with you, they are plotting to try and find how they can bring you down, how they can mess you up. They never see any good in you. All they see is an opportunity for them to ride on your head to get to a different level. This person is a very dangerous person because he smiles on his face. But in his heart, there's no smile in there. There are daggers. But on the, on the face, very wonderful guy, very wonderful girl, very wonderful child of God. And yet they are not. They seem safe and accommodating, but they are not accommodating. 
such kind of people are also unforgiving, very hard to forgive. Once you injure them, that's it. Whatever you do, regardless of how many times you go to apologize, they will never change. When they look at you, the only thing that comes before them is your mistake and how you must be placed in the rightful place. Their rightful place according to their thinking. Treacherous people are unpleasant. You can't enjoy their company. Because you're always on the lookout. You don't know what they'll say next or what they'll do next. Always on the lookout. It's a friendship that is big on their side, but to you, you are just going there for the sake of killing time or having a name that you are their friend. They are unpleasant and are always causing problems for the body of Christ. Always, wherever they are, no peace reigns. Amen? They are also Christians who, are, who we can say they are rash Christians. This is what uh, uh, verse 4 says. Trisha rash. Now we know the rash will indicate a spots that we find on our skin. And the rash will indicate one thing. It is a sign to tell you that certain things are not right in your body. Require to attend to these things. But it is possible also that Christians who are rash in condition can exist. Why? They are a constant source of pain and trouble and misery in the body of Christ. It's like having those same rushes. Now the rushes are in the heart. The rushes are in the relationship and the friendships that we have. Amen? Rash Christians must be kept at bay because they are a danger to the well-being of the body of Christ. Let's also look at disobedience still rife in the church. I know in our heart may be saying, Pastor, what are you talking about? How can people in the church be disobedient? I've used the term church deliberately because in the church there is a, a mixture of all sorts. They are in the church. But if I said amongst the cold ones, I would be wrong because those that, those that have been called and been set aside I expect them to behave and live in a certain way. But church, it seems it's a meeting place. It's a kunjani. Everyone come around. Therefore, everything comes to church. But God is calling on us that it is our responsibility to check the obedience which we bring forth to the word of God. Because the word of God is a standard. It is a standard. Mark 
Now, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, who enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. We can be in church and do everything in accordance to what is expected of a child of God. But God would have a different testimony of our lives because he sees everything. He's the one who needs us together. There's nothing that is ever hidden, including the things that you think a secret. When he says secret things belongs to the Lord, he's not talking about your secrets. Your secret he knows. Not everyone who says Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. It is not enough just to vocalize the name of the Lord on our mouth, but to live lives that are contrary to what the word of God says. When Jesus Christ said it was very difficult for a rich man to enter heaven, didn't say rich people cannot go there. But what he was saying is that you require strict evaluation of yourself according to the word of God that has been exposed to each one of us on everyday basis. Ask yourself pertinent questions. Then God will give pertinent answers. Mere vocalization amounts to nothing. God is interested in our heart. What is the color of our heart? Does it bring forth Jesus? Or it brings forth something else that we ourselves alone know? You know, even as men or human beings, we show civility to one another by paying good compliments. Oh, my brother, my sister, you look handsome. Nice clothes you are wearing. These are things that we say to one another. And God says we must go beyond this level. Because most of us, even when we say, nice clothes you are wearing in your heart, you are saying, mm, it's supposed to have been mine. Why didn't I have an opportunity to get to these things? Short, supposed to be for a tall person. But God says our actions must be connected to our words. Then he's going to be happy with us. 
If our actions and our words are separate, it amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing. Failure to do the will of the Father is disobedience. It's a catch line. Like I said, saying and doing are two things. But men are going to be seen from the light of their actions. In the Bible, I'm sure we know the story of Balaam, who was hired to go and prophesy against the children of Israel. We also know the story of Cephas, who also prophesied, but God overruled them to show that the prophecy alone, without attachment, it is actually noise and it does not amount to anything before God. Do you know that even Judas prophesied? He also cast out demons, Judas Iscariot. Because when Jesus Christ sent the 12 disciples into the mission field, he was one of them. And when they brought a report, he was one of them who brought that report, that even demons obeyed us. But how did he end? His ending was terrible. Meaning that we must not select things that we are going to use in life. When it comes to Christianity, we must use everything that God has said we should without omitting anything. We should not omit anything. And our reference point on everyday basis must be the word, his word. We shouldn't get tired reading this word. We shouldn't feel we know everything because sometimes that's a problem. With well, this chapter and this verse, I've already been there, and you make a conclusion. God speaks. He wants to say a new thing in our life. Take time and read. The revelations of yesterday are not the revelations of today. Because days and lives keep on unfolding. And God wants to bring newness in our lives. So prophesying alone, without being connected to the heart, it is actually a, 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 a problem. It is also possible for many to have names of piety. These are names of honor, good names, because everyone knows that this one is a child of God, and they are given good names and given respect. And yet, if you opened the curtains to their secret life, they are evildoers. God wants us to be plain. Whether in the open, whether in the secret, whether in our words, or whether in our hearts, we must be plain. Amen? 
latent disobedience will cause us to miss it at the gate. Can you imagine a situation where we are here on earth worshiping and praising God and doing everything that seems godly and the time comes that we depart to be with our maker and we go before the gates, the gates to heaven and the gates to hell and then you think you are going into heaven. Then the angel says, "Ah, uh-uh, ah, not there. That gate is what you must use. But everything seemed to have been fine here on earth. But God was checking and seeing there's an area in your life that is not being done properly. Amen? Elder Brothers' outburst reveals latent disobedience. Luke 15, 25 to 30. Luke 15, 25 to 30. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never obeyed, disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young God so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with the prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. All these years, the elder brother looked like an obedient person, but he wasn't. It had to take ripe conditions to show that this, he is a wrong person. Wrong person indeed. What actually caused the confusion to him is selfishness and greed. Now this chap has come back home. It means these things that are here I'm going to share with him. He already took his and wait. What has he come to do? And even when the brother came back home, it was a sign that he had repented. He refused to observe that repentance. He just looked at a chap who wasted the father's wealth. He even says with the prostitutes, as if he was there. Because if he was there, why didn't he help the brother with the proper advice so that he keeps the money proper? Disobedience, the latent one, has a way of bringing confusion on the scene where there's not supposed to be confusion at all. Don't let discontent and envy cause you to be shifted from who you are. Amen? In fact, he brought another dimension. 
Can you imagine the father is the one who came to him? When it should have been the other way around, he should have gone to the father to try and find out. He goes to ask a servant. A servant was more important than his father. What is happening at the house? Your brother has come back. And when he was invited, he refused to enter that house. Disobedience at work. Even criticized the father for killing the calf, fattened calf. Who, who owned the fattened calf? Him or the father? Who owned the house where the feast was taking place? Him or the father? Didn't the father have a right to decide to do with whatever he wants to do? Disobedience wants to bring orders where there are no need for orders. Amen? But the father's response is a wonderful teaching to all of us. The father goes to the son. He could have stayed away and said, it doesn't matter what he thinks. But he went to the son and pleaded with him. He was bringing before the son and to all of us how God deals with, with us in our difficult moments and times. He doesn't insist on his own, but he gets to our level to try and uh, bring to pass or bring comfort to us who are in need, which speaks volume to all of us in leadership, all of us in supervisory positions, that we must be kind. We must not be harsh. They must understand. Therefore, we must be kind. Not to exhibit disobedience. God is gentle. And his goodness is displayed to us to show his winning ways. He wants all of us to win. Even when someone really is fit for chiding because they've done a wrong thing, but because they are under you, find ways and means of being a leader to them, show them what has gone wrong, and how they can correct it and together progress without blowing it up. Amen? Don't be a person that will attempt to aggravate the situation, like this elder brother. A small situation involving his young brother, he wants now to bring it before the father as a big one, so that the father does not really have pity or mercy or love on the son. Amen? We must also understand one thing. Jealousy and ill will, if not put in check, is going to review our disobedience. Jealouskalijo.com We must put this in check. 
Mercenary Christian. Mercenary Christianity reveals disobedience. You may be asking yourself, who is a mercenary? A mercenary is a soldier for money. As long as the money is good and available, he will fight every war. He will be available everywhere. Whilst other people are going to be thinking of crew change to go back home because they are tired, he wants to remain in place because it means more money in the pocket. But he is only available where payments are. When there is no money, he will not be available. And in fact, you should be very careful of a mercenary soldier or a mercenary Christian. Because this mercenary soldier, you can be friends. If the contract is on your head, he will take you out. He doesn't care about anyone. He just cares about money. What gets into my pocket is all that what matters. The question is, do we have mercenaries in church? Are there people who are here for money? When money is not there, if you were employed here and somehow work comes to an end, your attendance of church also comes to an end. Do we have such people? Or being in church, because you know that when you come here, you will get a something in terms of like a transport allowance and to be available. The next week they'll tell you there's nothing, that will be the end of you. Are there mercenaries in the church? One Kings twelve, verse sixteen and seventeen. One Kings twelve, verse sixteen and seventeen. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them. They answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, O Israel, look after your own house, O David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled. Put their lives on the line. But when they discovered that there was no monetary gain, they decided to go off. They left. What share do we have? Does this question linger in your heart? And ask yourself, what share do you have in church? If the money is not there, boom, you go off. It happened not only to the descendants of David. But many times indeed. 
You know, when Jesus told his disciples, because they were thinking that he had come to restore the kingdom to Israel in the physical sense, but then he said, my kingdom is from another place, and I'll be going back to my father. The other disciples, beyond the 12, thought, ah, this guy, look at this guy. He has uh, no money. This Judas just carries like a bag with very little money in it. Now we thought when he takes over, we'll find ourselves in rightful places, then we'll get into money. Then he says he's not interested in money because his kingdom is not of this world. They decided to leave him. Only the 12 remained with him because they knew that it was important and that Christ himself will bring rewards. He put it also in this way, in John 10, 12 to 13. John 10, 12 to 13. The hired hand is not the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Are you a, a mercenary in church whose interest is to gain or whose interest is to bring your talents and skills so that the body of Christ becomes better? These are questions I want to leave with us. Any believer whose motivation is the voice of money, not the voice of Jesus, is a hiring. What motivates you? Is it a kamasarati? Or is it a kama gift? Sometimes I get amazed in this place. When we have AGMs, I'm sure the people who bring very little to the coffers of the church for the running of the church are the loudest in asking questions on money. But when they sit in their heart, they ask themselves, how much did you bring? Only themselves can answer. If you observe the voice of money, then you are a hiring and indeed a mercenary. And that is total and latent disobedience, actually ready to erupt when the conditions are okay. As members of the body of Christ, we must learn to give befitting honor. We must have a culture to honor one another. It's very, very important. Philippians 2, 1 to 5. I think I have it on the bulletin. Philippians 2, 1 to 5. 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. That is the catchword. If our attitude is not the same as that of Christ, we will not know how to honor one another. The only thing we know is to castigate one another. The only thing we know is to amplify the mistakes of one another. Instead of giving advice to correct so that you can move in a certain direction at a particular speed, we are busy discouraging one another. But God desires that we must honor each other. We must honor one another. And honor must not just come to you alone. Because sometimes that's how these things are. Yes, as a pastor, I must learn to honor others. And there are many ways in which you can honor others. We visit each other. We give gifts to each other. We encourage each other. We give comfort to each other. We allow advice to come from them to us. Because I don't know it all. I have limitations. And God is not a respecter of persons. He's going to review certain things that I do not know, but review them to you. What is not right is that every time the sermon is preached or anything has been said, you are the first one standing up and saying, I have a word from the God. Does he just speak to you alone and does not speak to anyone else? It is also important and it is honor that when a message has been preached like this, it must remain this message. Don't divert it to a different message. There are many messages that happen in our lives, including even when you are seated and preaching this message, God is giving you a different message. But imagine if all of you stood and came here and said, no, God has said, God has said this. It brings confusion. You must allow a message that has been given to a saint one to sink into the lives of the people. Hence, there's confusion because they hear seven sermons on one platform in one day. Let's learn to honor one another. Honor is like respect. It is a mutual thing. Uku na uku. Not just one-sided. Honor is like a greeting. You cannot be greeting a person every day. They don't greet back. One day you may become tired. Though the Bible says do not be wary in doing good. But you must receive encouragement. You must receive encouragement. Now God on his part, he has already given us an inducement allowance and also incentives. 
an inducement allowance is an allowance that will cause you to move from one place to get to a particular company because you think the money is good. It's appealing to you. Also, an incentive is that which you are going to get at the end of your service, you know, or even your enumeration that you're going to get is in this war. That is an incentive. But he has already given this to us through Jesus Christ, his son. He's brought everything that we require for life on a plate into our lives to help us function thus. From him, we get encouragement. From Christ, we also get comfort through his love. He even avails fellowship to us with the Holy Spirit so that we are strengthened. Because remember, he said, I'm going away, but I'll not leave you as orphans. Another helper will come to you. He will get that which is mine and give it to you so that you do not operate in error. We must position ourselves correctly. Amen? Honoring comes from considering others better than oneself. If there's no one who measures to you, you never honor anyone. Unless you realize that the grace configuration that individuals carry are different. We thank God for your grace, but don't discount God for my grace. Because it is a grace that helps me in those moments and times when I have challenges and difficulties and I have no understanding and I want to overcome. He gives grace and brings it on board. Let us learn to honor one another and not discount anyone. And no one should trivialize Christian values. God has given us values. We must uphold these. Don't think they are nonsense. Or don't think they must not be upheld. They've been given for a purpose. Let us uphold this. But in the process, forget not to honor one another. Especially honoring parents. How do we honor them and offering? When coming to church, ensure that you already set aside the offering that you want to give. Not start selecting in the bag and looking for a value that you think you're not to be injured when you give. That's what you pick. Uh -uh. Remember that which you bring to this congregation who come back to you. It will be accountable to you. Some people are going to be saved as a result of your giving. You, you will not know it, but God in his wisdom will see that this help that has gone here has come from my son, but because he's faithful, I'll add more to the son. Let us learn to honor one another. The Bible says to him who does not do the good he knows he ought to do, it is a sin. It is disobedience. It is missing the mark.
being a retired serviceman, I know that missing a target by one centimeter is no different from missing it by seven meters. It's the same thing, because the target will be alive. Don't miss the mark. So disobedience is still rife in the church. It is still there. It's still with us. Sometimes, like I said, a message like this is preached, and in your heart you're saying, no, not me. That already is a mark of disobedience. What God expects is that, okay, I've seen a different light in this version. Could it be true? Do I require to change? Are there things I should do better? That is what is required. But to have an attitude that you know it all is a problem. Yes, we've been Christians, some of us, for many years. I may look older, but my salvation date is younger compared to, compared to your salvation date. But we require to read this word of God because it brings freshness to us. It takes us to a different level. Refuse to be a mercenary Christian. Refuse to harbor latent disobedience. It is dangerous, like I showed in the beginning. This is a capacitor. It contains energy. When you charge it and you don't discharge it, nothing plays around with those terminals. It will hold that charge for 50 years. Anyone who comes along and plays with these terminals, boom, they'll be gone. Latent disobedience is always like that. Don't hold on to things that are bringing decay in our lives. Let us remove them. God gives us a, a plate, a new plate, a new chance on everyday basis that we can start afresh. And when you get to him, God actually forgets everything and throws it into the sea called forgetfulness. If we hold on to wrong things, it will be a constant memory before God. For he says, for your sake, I never sleep or slumber, meaning he pays particular attention to everything that goes through our minds and through our lives. But God is God. Is a mighty and wonderful God. Let us be watchful and be prayerful. Let's stand and pray together. Father, thank you for your word. A word of God that has come to us on a table of correction not to injure us or to harm us, but to position ourselves. We may see differently that we don't see. For your mirror reflects even our back. As human beings, we desire other people to be behind us to see our back. But you hedge us all around to the top, to the sides, to the bottom, and everywhere. You see all. 
want to say thank you. Help us, O oh Father, to utilize these few lessons that we could have learned and run it through so that our situation is different. Insisting on only things that seem to be beneficial but are not beneficial according to your economy is a problem. Judas prophesied and cast out demons, but he ended up hanging himself. May that not be our case. May you cause us, O oh God, to see ourselves and come to you to get relief. Father, I want to leave everything before you because it is you that created us. It is you that sustains us. It is you who knows everything about us. It is you, O oh Father, who has shown us what love is. It is you, O oh Father, who has shown yourself to us that we may become familiar with you, not familiar as being those that are around you who do not give you the desired all that you deserve. Because you alone are a mighty and wonderful God. You are incomparable. It is just because of love that you even allow these thoughts, these limitations, and these omissions that you show them to us that you may make amends. In Jesus' name, with thanksgiving in our hearts, we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you.